as the microphones rumble. Praise the Lord, everyone. So we have, uh, I'm going to do a little housekeeping, rearranging up here. Is everybody doing good today? Sister Rhonda, praise team, that was a beautiful rendition this morning of our holiday favorites, and I am hopeful that today won't be the last day of this season that we hear many of them, because they are so good, they're too good to just sing once a year. But uh, we are, are so blessed to be in this season, and I think it is a season of miracles, because God is still in the miracle-working business, isn't he? Amen. And truly, this time of year, we celebrate the greatest miracle of all, and that is our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Pastor had asked me to deliver the message this morning, and I asked him, do you want me to kind of gear it down a little bit and consolidate it, maybe a shorter time block? And he said, no, 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 don't, don't do that. I want you to do regular time, and, and our kids are going to be in their classes, and you, you just, we don't want them to just get in there and turn around and come back out. And, and so that's kind of the, the mindset of what we thought. So I thought, basically, I'm up here to be an adult babysitter while our kids are in class, give you something to do. So uh, that's, that's kind of the message I took. So uh, no, just kidding. Um, no, it's a great opportunity to be in the house of the Lord and to preach. And I do want to bring something I feel is very special for this time. But uh, we're proud of our Sunday school and our kids. And, and we just want them to continue to grow in the Lord uh, so teachers, yeah, you got a day off after just starting back up. So how about that? That's a pretty good, pretty good deal, right? But uh, so we're going to jump right in. I think the angels were excited when they proclaimed the coming of Jesus. I don't think they sat idly by and just kind of blasé made the announcement. And, but it was much different than that. And we know as they announced, they made a proclamation praising God in the highest, saying, glory to God peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And I believe that was a jubilee at that moment. There was a great sound that echoed throughout the halls of heaven as those praises rang, the coming of Messiah. So I think today is a great opportunity for all of us to stand, not sit down, but to be excited as they were, because I think today, go ahead and stand up, let's stand. We can hear the angels continue to rejoice at what Messiah has done and continues to do. So I want to give you an opportunity with your mouth, with your hands lifted up to praise the Lord in the highest and give him the glory that he is worthy of. Amen? Can we do that for a moment? Just giving him all the glory. He is our Savior. He is our King. He is not just a baby in a manger, but he has delivered us from all of our sin. He is Emmanuel, God with us, and we worship him today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you today. Your name is worthy. Your name is higher. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Talking to us this morning about a subject. Let's see if I can rev this thing up here. The miracle of Messiah. 
And truly, it is a miracle, and many would say miracles are pretty much over with at this point. Some would argue and even debate that point. But I believe that miracles are intended. This is one of the infallible proofs that God is God, that God is who He says He is, that He does miracles in our midst, things that are undeniable, unexplainable with the logic, logical mind. But God is able to do things that are impossible for man to do. And we can look at it and say, there's no way that that could have happened in my life except God be in it, except God do it, except God provide it. And so that's, that's why we're here today is because of that miracle of Messiah. And as pastor said, I'm going to begin exactly where he left off. And I remember as a kid, we grew up with tag team preachers. Many, it wasn't uncommon for a message or two a year to have several of the ministers on staff. Pastor would start, then the associate pastor would go right behind and pick up where he left off, and maybe another third or fourth minister to just jump right in and continue the message. And, and so we would grow up hearing that. Today, I just thought, how, how beautiful it is when we consider what's in a name. And Pastor delivered it amazingly last week, went into a lot of detail about the selection of a name and what is the meaning behind a name. And certainly in the time of Jesus, names were very, very important. They were valuable. They meant something. They said something. And we're going to just take a moment to think about the name of Messiah today, picking right up at that point. And, and I would take Isaiah 9-6 as the text for today, it was also in a song that was saying about a door, and it began to talk about, we'll call him Jesus, and we give the reason why we would call his name Jesus, and that was really taken from, taken from this prophetic announcement by Isaiah about Messiah. It would say, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And truly, this is the miracle of Messiah. When we think about this prophecy that is made, it almost seems an impossible task for one individual to actually be the culmination of all of these things that would be represented in this name. But we find a miracle truly did happen. As we look at it closer, the prophecy of Messiah would require within it prophetic proofs that this man that would come, this man that would be born, and many prophecies around that birth, and we're going to study a few today, but this one individual would actually capture all of the essence of Isaiah 9-6 in this prophecy. These prophetic proofs would say, number one, he would have to be the mighty God. Messiah will be the mighty God. He will be the everlasting Father. Also, Messiah will be the Son. And as we study it further, yes, He will be the Holy Spirit, indicated by the peace. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Peace. Those things we associate with the Holy Ghost within us. So actually, the prophetic proofs that this man would be who he claimed to be would be that he would fulfill all of these requirements, if you will, or job responsibilities of Messiah. He couldn't just be one. He had to be all, or he would not be Messiah. So this is why it's so important that we understand Jesus being born is the miracle of Messiah. 
He is the proof of Messiah. And once we begin to see this and understand this revelation, it is so very powerful that we can now say he is the Son of God. And lastly, he is a kingdom ruler. I omitted that. So he would be a ruler of a kingdom, which we know he is. So Colossians 2, verses 2 and 3 says this about Messiah. That their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of, and I have bolded, the mystery of God. There is a mystery of God. And when we dig into this mystery, we begin to study it and covet understanding and ask God to really reveal to us what is this mystery. And it has to do the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom we are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is a great statement that Paul makes to the Colossians, that there would be something about this man and the mystery of God that would be revealed in him called, that would be called Messiah. Here's an answer to it, response in James chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen. It says, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. So what James is saying What Paul is speaking towards in this mystery of God is that in one man, a prophecy would be fulfilled. A messianic miracle would appear. His name would be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. But preceding that, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So he would be, in one prophetic fulfillment, all God. All Father, all Son, all Holy Ghost, all in one. As James repeats, I repeat, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This is a miracle. If Jesus would not have taken any of these areas of requirement, he would not be Messiah. If Jesus was not completely the Father, then he would be disqualified from being Messiah. If he did not have the spirit of Holy Ghost in what he was and who he was, he would not be Messiah. He would fail. He would not meet the job responsibility or requirements. But the fact that all the fullness of the Godhead would dwell in him bodily and why we know today that there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. So Jesus is the miracle of Messiah. I want to spend some time and refresh our memories in many cases, understanding the value of this miracle, the messianic prophecies that went about, and the amazing nature of Jesus and what he fulfilled along his journey on earth. I believe that we talk about, and you know that I talk a lot about prophecy. I believe it's very important to understand and to seek to understand what God has said. The prophets of God have said that we would be aware of in our modern time and times to come. But also, it's very valuable for us to go back and look at the prophecies of Messiah and what it said that he would be, because that truly is the foundation of who we are as children of God. Messianic prophecies refer to the compilation of more than 300 Old Testament predictions of the coming Messiah. 
Together and individually, they have undeniable accuracy as these prophecies were recorded by numerous writers in various books over a period of 1,000 plus years. These prophecies could not have been contrived in hindsight as the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Septuagint were compiled prior to Jesus' birth. In other words, the scriptures were not rendered and given after Jesus did the work and made them match what he did. They were written hundreds and in many cases thousands of years prior to his coming. And the fact that Jesus fulfilled everyone to exact detail is an amazing miracle that we call the miracle of Messiah. Jesus Christ fulfilled all messianic prophecies foretold by holy prophets in the Pentateuch, which is a Torah, in the Septuagint, which is a Greek version of the Hebrew Bible. Listen to what he says in Luke 24. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me by Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must all come true. Jesus was dialed in. He knew exactly what needed to be fulfilled and that he would not miss one jot, one tittle of what needed to be fulfilled. He captured it all. Let's look at the prophecy beginning at the very beginning, which is he was born in Bethlehem. Micah says this, but thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, thou, uh, though thou be little among thousands of Ju- Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from from of old, from everlasting. And the fulfillment is this. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, right? In the, king of Her- in the days of King Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Did you know that the wise men were not at the stable scene? Did you know that they were not at the manger, as many traditional uh, manger scenes would depict? They were not presenting to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh as he was an infant child in a manger. Did you know that? It was later. It was over a year later that they actually arrived to worship. They saw his star. They knew what the prophets have said concerning his coming. These were very wise men. They were sages. They were the magi. They knew what to look for. And when they saw that star, they rejoiced with great joy, knowing what had just happened. Messiah has come, and we must journey to meet him and to worship him. It was fulfilled exactly as it said. Secondly, he would be born of a virgin. And by the way, we're not going to go through all 300 plus prophecies of Messiah this morning, but they're there. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, Isaiah says. And we see the fulfillment. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, why? That it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, God with us. Exact, precise fulfillment. That's why we call him the miracle of Messiah. He would be of the descent of Abraham. 
Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And fulfillment of that prophecy concerning Messiah, the book of generations of Jesus Christ, it opens with this, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Galatians captures it this way. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto the seeds as of many, but as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. Jesus fulfills, again, the messianic prophecies. Herod would be killing infants at the time of Jesus' arrival. Thus saith the Lord in Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Why would you say this is connected to Jesus' time? It's because of this. In the fulfillment, Matthew records, then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all of the children that were in Bethlehem and in all of the coast thereof from two years and old and under, according to the time which he had diligently required of the wise men. Verse 17 says it specifically. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. This prophecy fulfilled to its exact requirement. Isaiah, both in chapters 44, 46, and 48, God relays to us this. Here is how you will know that I am the one true God, and those so-called gods are nothing. I will tell you the end from the beginning I will tell you what will happen before it happens, and then when those things come to pass, that will be the proof that you know that I alone am God. Amen? Let's clap our hands to the Lord. God does not leave any room for doubt. It's why it's amazing to have the revelation of Messiah and to know him as we can know him today. The test of authenticity is always the fact, or credibility even, when you will say that you're going to do something, and then you follow through with it, and you do it exactly. That's how I know your word is credible. That's how I know what you're saying and what your intentions are are authentic. It's no different than our walk with God and understanding Him, for He has truly stood the test of authenticity. You see, biblical prophecy is made up one-third, nearly one-third of all Scripture is prophecy. Why is that so important? It's so that constantly we can see what God said would happen does happen exactly the way that it says that it will happen. And there's no refuting it. It's undeniable as much as we may not want to accept it, as much as we may reject it like the Hebrews did or the Jews did when Jesus came. They rejected him, but it doesn't make him any less who he says he is. He is Messiah. There are over 300 prophecies related to the first coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's talk about probability. Watch my time because I'm babysitting you guys, remember? Probability, also known as odds, is a branch of mathematics that measures the likelihood that is 
a given event will occur. For example, being struck by lightning in a year. You have odds 1 in 700,000 that you will be struck this year. Being killed by lightning in a year is much greater than that, 1 in 2 million. Those are the odds. That's the probability. Becoming president, how many wants that job? 1 in 10 million. That's pretty staggering odds, right, Mike? A meteorite landing on your house is 1 in 180 trillion. Now, these are pretty good odds that we will eventually die, one out of one, and pay taxes. Some try to beat those odds, not very successfully, I might add. So, what the statisticians say about Messiah Professor Peter Stoner was chairman of the Department of Mathematics and Astronomy of Pasadena City College and chairman of the Science Division at Westmont College. The statistical probability of Jesus fulfilling eight of the messianic prophecies is 1 to 10 to the 17th power, or 1 in 10 quadrillion chances that he would be able to meet eight of the 300-plus prophecies. That's staggering when you look at those odds. I read a little further because Peter Stoner also did a calculation on what if it were 48 prophecies fulfilled of the 300-plus. Any guesses? Let's put it in easier terms. Instead of 1 to 10 to the 17th power, what do you think would be 10 to the what power? 10 to the 156th power that Jesus would fulfill 48 of the 300-plus prophecies of Messiah. We serve an amazing God of order, of perfection, of planning, of design. You cannot convince me today that everything just appeared by a bang, that everything just appeared by a process of evolution, that an intelligent design had nothing to do with it. It doesn't even pass the logic sniff test. God is the God of all creation, and we know who he is, for he is Emmanuel, God with us. So we'll Make it a little briefer on these next few so it won't be so hard for us to go through all of this. He, it was prophesied, so you'll take my word for it. I don't need to read every scripture, right? Hosea 11.1 1 says he would be taken out of Egypt. Matthew records that he was taken out of Egypt. Isaiah says he would be heralded by a messenger of the Lord. And Matthew shows that he was heralded by the John the Baptist. Isaiah says again that he would be appointed by the Holy Spirit. Guess what? He was appointed by the Holy Spirit says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down in the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue, were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is a scripture fulfilled in your ears. He also would prophesy, Isaiah would say he would preach good news. He would perform miracles, and he would cleanse the temple. Guess what he did? He preached good news. He performed miracles, and yes, he cleansed the temple. Amen? 
It said that he would be betrayed by a friend. And by the way, every time you see one of those little asterisks, that's one of the original eight that Peter Stoner used for his calculation. Just a just little footnote there. So betrayed by a friend, Judas betrayed Jesus. He was betrayed by 30 pieces of silver. Judas sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver would be then cast down to buy the potter's field. Guess what? 30 pieces of, of silver were used to buy the potter's field. Amen? You can't make this stuff up, and you can't write it in hindsight. It is an amazing miracle of Messiah, and we know who he is. It would prophesy that he would die a humiliating death. Yes, Isaiah got it right, because he died a humiliating death. He would raise from the dead, and guess what he did? He would raise from the dead, as recorded by Scripture. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou us unto us, seeing that thou doest all these things? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was the temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spoke of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, that they would believe the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. He is who he says he is. Jesus is what he claims to be. He is Messiah, and we still praise him today and worship him. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not there. Behold the place where they laid him. Amen. It's exciting when we see what Jesus really was. He was not just a man. He was not just a prophet. He was God in flesh. He was Emmanuel. So the conclusion is this. The overwhelming evidence mounts sufficient proof that Jesus Christ fulfills all messianic criteria pronounced by holy prophets through ancient writings, inspected, authenticated, and preserved unto this day. Acts 1.3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Jesus knew that we as a skeptical people would have to do like they do in Kansas. You got to show me. You got to prove it to me. Which is why he didn't rebuke Thomas any further than he did. Because Thomas says, I got I to gotta see it. Doubting Thomas says, I, I can't just take your word for it. Show me those nail-pierced hands. Show me your side where the sword went in. Then I'll believe it. There are many today that have that same spirit and attitude. But Jesus knew that, which was why he gave us many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He is who he says that he is. So there is a call to action. There's something that we must do with the information, not only to acknowledge it, but there's action required on our part to respond to it. Because something incredible happened when the Spirit of God was poured out in Jerusalem. And Peter began to speak to those Jews, the actual ones who put him on the cross. And he began to speak of his authenticity, that Jesus was Messiah and who he said he was. 
It says in Acts chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven, Jews that knew the Scripture extraordinarily well. They were scholars in their own right. That's why they were there. They were there to celebrate the Feast of of Pentecost. They knew the importance of what the prophets had said and what God had done back in Egypt. So they had gathered for Pentecost, not having any idea what would happen on this particular year. So as they heard this noise, they became very interested. It says in verse 12, And they were all amazed. And were in doubt, saying to one another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea, and unto ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be thou known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. That it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out on those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Again, Jesus does exactly what he said he would do. He told his disciples, I am now with you, but I shall be in you. He didn't send a third person in the Trinity. Jesus made it clear, I am with you and I will be in you. Why was it important that he specified it that way? Because if he would have sent another person, then he would have revoked his own claim of Messiah. Isaiah 9.6 said he must be the Holy Ghost. He must be the everlasting Father. He must be the mighty God. He must be the Son of God. He must be all of it in one, as James concurred. He said the fullness of the God had dwelleth in him bodily. Jesus performed it exactly as he said. And on this day of Pentecost, Joel's prophecy was fulfilled. It says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, and as he began to preach, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's very appropriate for this moment. It says, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Proved, Peter proved by the infallible proofs, by the miracles that Jesus did, and by the fulfillment of lineage that Jesus had, that he was Messiah. But they had a call to action. These devout men, knowing the scriptures well, had to respond. They couldn't just be sustained by knowledge alone. 
there had to be action, which is why in verse 36 they said these words. Let all the house know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Savior. Now, when they heard this, see, something happens when we hear the true word of God. Something happens in our spirit that calls us to do something with it, not to passively just accept it as information. See, they understood this because of the gravity of the revelation. They said, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? We can celebrate the miracle of Messiah, but without a response, it really is meaningless to us. We must take action. We must do. We must act upon what we have just received. We know it well. He says, then Peter said unto them, and Pastor quotes this verse many, many Sundays, because it's important. It's all about Messiah, the miracle of Messiah that continues to work in our midst today. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and unto all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He continues to call us today. He reveals to us in his majesty who he is. We accept that. We see that. We believe that. But now we must act upon it and do exactly as Peter commanded them to do to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost. But he didn't stop there. He went on to say why it is so important that you do this. He says, and with many other words did he testify and exhort. Why is it important that we act? He said unto them, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Why is it a moment of urgency? Why should I act now? Why should I not just wait until sometime next year? Because we are in an untoward generation. And if anything of 2020 has ever taught us, we are in an untoward generation. We are in an environment where absolutely anything can happen. Nothing seems to be off limits at this time. We have no idea what the future holds. We only know Messiah and the power of the miracle of who he is and the miracle that he does in us as we respond and act to what he has told us to do. Why is it important? Why is it urgent that we save ourselves from this untoward generation, then they gladly received his word and what? And were baptized. They responded. They acted. They didn't just hear, but they did. They did something about what they had just received. Today, I'm reminding us that these waters behind me in this baptismal tank are ready, drawn up, and prepared for anyone who has not been baptized in the most beautiful name of all names. Not just any name, but what's in a name 
is all-powerful, cleansing, saving blood of Jesus. That is what's in his name. And when we're baptized, it's why, why Peter didn't just pick other names or titles. He was very specific. It's because we're saved through the name of Jesus. They gladly received his word and were baptized. And then it says, in the same day, that same day, were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That is a phenomenal revival. It's a phenomenal outpouring. And why is it? Because everybody started to understand the miracle of Messiah. And these are the days that we, too, can experience this kind of outpouring. If we can get a, a hold of what Messiah really is and the power of what he's done, the odds of him doing it is just mind-boggling. We can't wrap our heads around 1 to, by 10 to the 156th power. We can't possibly even compute that. But that's our God, and our God made it so we can have a direct conversation and communion with him. We can go boldly into the throne of grace. Jesus came. I like the way the song said, he came to be my friend. He loves us that much that he came to be our friend, to walk with us and to talk with us, commune with us, have a relationship with us. Don't keep him at arm's length today. Respond and receive what he has said and act upon it. If we've not repented, maybe we have, maybe we need to do it again. Paul said, I die daily. I need to go through this every day. I'm just this sinful vessel of, of clay and all the junk. And I'm dealing with the world that is full of darkness, and I mess up. So every day I've got to go to the cross and say, God, forgive me. Let your grace be upon me. Shine upon me again. And then we need to be baptized if we have not, and not just baptized any possible way. But don't you think if God is a God of such specificity that he also wants us to respond in like manner? So the opportunity is here for us today. Sister Rhonda, would you come? Because there would be nothing better on this Christmas season for us to have a gift exchange with Jesus. A gift exchange with him. I, I grew up loving gift exchanges. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And you're all excited about what you're going to get, what's going to be under the tree. Jesus gives that to us today. He gives us a gift of eternal life. In exchange, he wants us to give him us. My obedience, my service, my gratitude, all that I am. See, Jesus has such a beautiful plan for each one of us. If we'll allow him to be the centerpiece of this Christmas season, and I'll claim and I'll commit to him to do whatever he wants me to do, there would be no better gift exchange that I can make today. He's gone to great extent to prove to us that he's the miracle that the world needs. But I have a choice, whether I accept this or not. More importantly than accept it, act upon it. 
There is something he wants from me. And it's just simple obedience to his word. Let's all stand today as pastor comes. I'm praying that God will bless this church with a mighty outpouring. Just like Joel prophesied in the beginning of this church era, that we would receive it abundantly at High Point Church. An outpouring of the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what we need more than anything. But it starts with us recommitting our lives and letting him be God. Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Greg. If God is speaking to you this morning, dedicate your heart to give your life to him and you've never done that before would you come this morning someone will meet you here and pray with you, pray for you if you just want to just start over and maybe you feel like everything's okay but you say Lord I just want to draw closer to you than I've ever been before and you want to rededicate your life what a great day to do that We're going to sing a chorus here. And you don't even have to come here. You can do it right where you stand. Again, it all starts with believing that the words we've heard today are true. Because if we don't believe that, then we're doing it because we were told to. It has to be something we choose to do. We believe that Jesus did die for our sins and that the blood of Jesus was enough to cover our sins, no matter what it was. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter. What Jesus did on the cross was more than enough to cover your sins and everyone else that ever lived or would ever live. Don't let the devil try to tell you, well, I've just done too much. It's not the truth. And once you've repented, As Pastor Greg said, we can baptize you, and then we all have a promise, a promise of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's that power that we talked about a few weeks ago, the power to help us to do the things that we need to do and fulfill the things that God calls us to do. Let's sing a chorus. Would you pray? Come this morning if you want to come to the altar. Jesus Messiah.